Before Micah comes to teach this morning, I want to give a quick uh, update on disaster relief in our area. This has been a, 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 an amazing week. Uh, first of all, understand this, that uh, over 300 of the families that have been affected by the tornadoes have some relationship with Lake Point. And uh, it's been amazing to see their faith, their expressed faith and belief in God and trusting in him during this time. Thank you for being a church that has reached out to them. Little did we realize when uh, we gave uh, to our compassion offering on Christmas Eve how much it was going to be needed. Uh, we've had uh, 280 families that have actually come this week to our church for assistance. And we've had over 1,000 volunteers working the field and giving assistance in the neighborhoods itself. And so thank you for being there. <laughs> and, and for being God's people. Here, here's a couple things I'd like to say. Is first of all, I realized that uh, this is not where it ends. Long after the news media, this is no longer a hot story. These people are gonna continue to have needs. Uh, transportation needs, uh, sustainable uh, places to live. 51 of the 300 families associated with a church lost everything. I mean, they lost their complete apartment, their complete home, all of their uh, earthly possessions. And we want you to know that we're here for you to provide counseling for your children, to help you find a car, help you find a place to live from this point forward. Uh, you can go to assistance at lakepoint.org. We were kind of in triage this last week, just trying to get some resources out. But that's not the end of what we want to do for you. So we're gonna be communicating with you. Uh, we have a team that's dedicated to that. Here's what you need to know. You're the most important part of that team. Uh, if you will let us know what your needs are, and don't be embarrassed by that. You would want to reach out to others if the, if it, the shoe was on the other foot. And so please continue to communicate with us about your needs, and we will continue to reach out to you. A lot of lessons learned. One of the lessons learned is how important it is to be in a life group. Uh, the folks that had their needs met most intelligently and the most quickly were those who were connected to a small group of believers here in the church. And those uh, life groups, uh, without any organization for our part, they took action. Uh, you've got to put yourself in a position to be loved as well as put yourself in a position to love others more intelligently. And so my encouragement as we begin this new year is get in a life group, get in that small Bible study group where you can know and be known because that's essential, it's a part of God's plan. I'm gonna ask Micah to come here and lead us in a word of prayer as we continue to pray for those who are most affected uh, by this disaster at, before he teaches. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather, to remember that in this world we will have trouble, but we can take heart because you've overcome the world. Thank you for an opportunity to gather and realize that we don't have all the answers, we don't know why. But we gather today and we determine who. We will trust in you. You are faithful, you are good. No matter what changes around us, you never change and we trust you today. Father, for those who've been directly impacted by this tragedy, grace, mercy, and peace over those families and their situation. Thank you so much for being a part of a generous church like this that reaches out, not just with the resources you've given us, but with the time and, and talents of so many volunteers, over a thousand people being your hands and feet. And so Father, today we pray that you would continue to allow us as a church to reach out and impact our community, letting them know about the love of Jesus in the most practical of ways. Today, Lord, we know that there's a real enemy and he has come to steal and kill and destroy but thank you so much that you came to give us life and so abundantly that it overflows. And so today, 
May that life flow through your word and may you speak to all of us and change us from the inside out that none of us leaves the same as we walked in. May we be different this year because we gathered this day. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, happy new year, everybody. So good to see you guys. Can you believe it is 2016? I mean, ready or not, here we are in a brand new year. And I'm so glad you guys decided to gather with us. As you can tell, it's a very special church. And we're starting a very special series called Margin. It's a three-part series. No better time to talk about margin than a new year. What do you do at a new year? Well, you evaluate. You kind of look at your life. And you say, you know what? There's some things that need to adjust in my life. I need to maybe start some things new. Maybe you say, I need a new perspective, I need a new attitude, I need a new schedule, uh, I, I need you know, a, a new approach to life, I need to make some new decisions that I'm gonna invest my life in a different way. Uh, maybe you know, for me, I need a new football team to cheer for. You know? uh, but whatever it is, you know, uh, except for the football team, we're gonna talk about it in this series. Something needs to change. And in the new year, it's a great time to do something new. For some reason, nobody the week before Thanksgiving says, I'm gonna go on a diet. Nobody does it right then. But in the new year, you say, you know what, I'm gonna start something new. And I don't know what your goals are. My prayer is that God gives you the strength to reach those goals. Maybe you're going to say, I need to get in better shape. I need to eat better. Maybe I need to spend more time with my kids. I need to spiritually grow. Uh, Whatever those goals are, I need to stop an, an annoying habit. Whatever those goals are, let me make you a promise. Those goals will intersect and at some point be impacted by this issue called margin. And so turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10 is where we'll be today. If you don't have a Bible in your worship guide, there's a place to follow along. And if you're, uh, whatever campus you're on, wanna welcome all of our campuses and over the internet, there's a place for you to follow along as well. But Luke chapter 10. Now while you're finding Luke 10, let me just ask this question of all the campuses and over the internet, please participate. How many of you guys at least once in your life have moved or helped someone move? You've done this, okay? Yes, we've all been there. And what happens is you get a lot of these that are behind me, the boxes, and, and, and this effect happens. Now as a church planner, my family's moved more than I'm gonna admit to you. But when you move, you get this effect in the garage. Let me just show you this garage. I call it the garage effect because it just doesn't fit anywhere else. And all of a sudden you're like, what are we gonna do with all these boxes? You guys can relate to this picture? Of course you can. Now, there's one problem with this picture because what is supposed to go in the garage? The car, okay, but the car can't go in the garage because of all the boxes. Now when I look at this picture, I think a lot of us may feel like that on the inside walking into this new year. Last year, we had some cars. We have some important things that needed to be in our lives, but they got crowded out by all the boxes, if you will, and we didn't have any margin. And that's what I love about this story because in Luke chapter 10, we're gonna meet two sisters, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, if that gives you any context. And Mary and Martha both have access to Jesus, but they approach life in two very different ways. Martha is completely stressed, no margin, overloaded. Mary makes a very significant, simple, but powerful decision that she will not just fit Jesus into her life, she's gonna create enough margin to focus on what matters most. Now let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 10. At the very end of the chapter, we get to verse 38, and let's see what happens. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village. That village is Bethany, about a 30-minute walk to Jerusalem. And a woman named Martha, watch this, welcomed Jesus into her home. So Martha invites Jesus over. Now watch this. 
Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was, we're gonna come back to this word in a moment, distracted by this big dinner she was preparing. There's no margin, okay? Martha's overwhelmed. Now watch this. Martha, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister Mary just sits here and listens to you while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But notice Jesus' response. The Lord said to her, and this word is to a lot of us beginning this new year, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about all these details. Here's the big statement. There's only one thing. It's the focus life. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Before we go any further into this year, before I go any further into this message, here is the big question of the day, the big question of the year. Are you ready for this? Are you gonna walk through this year like Martha or like Mary? Now, now we all can relate to Martha. We really can. As a matter of fact, let me just go ahead and make an admission to you. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands yet. Let me just be honest with you. There were times last year when I felt like I didn't have any margin. I felt overwhelmed. I felt overloaded. I felt like there were too many activities, too many demands, too many opportunities. That's just me. Is anybody else, please, all the campuses participate? Did you feel like that at least once last year? Does anybody relate to this? We can relate to Martha, can't we? We've all been there. We know what it's like to be Martha. But we also know that we need to be like Mary. Now, what do we need to be like Mary? We need margin. You see, Mary made a very simple, powerful choice that I pray all of us make as we start this new year together. Let's live a focused life. Because Mary made a decision to create margin where Jesus didn't just fit, Jesus was the priority. The relationship with Jesus was the most important. Martha, a little different story. Overwhelmed, overloaded, distracted. The original language literally means she was pulled in several directions at once and she was worried about multiple things. We can all relate to that, but Martha was so overloaded and did not have any margin. You know what she did? Did you catch this in the story? She actually told Jesus what he should be doing. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been so busy that your prayers weren't, Jesus, what do you need me to do? But hey, Jesus, I don't have time to listen to your voice, but here's my voice. Are you listening? How many times have our prayers been, Lord, fix my husband? I don't have time for you to fix me, Lord, but just fix my husband. I don't have time for you to tell me how I need to be fixed, but just fix him. How many times, gentlemen, have we prayed, Lord, just help my wife and kids because they need to know my work's important. I'm putting food on the table and, and I can't spend time with them right now. Just help them understand that what I do matters. But we don't have time, Lord, to hear about if my job needs to get kind of refocused on what really matters in my life. How many times have we prayed, Lord, just give me a raise and I'll start giving to the church, Lord. But Lord, I don't have time for you to tell me what I should do with what I have now, but if, if I win the lottery, I'm gonna start tithing. Here's my favorite prayer. We stare at this greasy hamburger, 1,000 calories, and we go, Lord, bless this meal and these fried french fries and this 1,000 calorie hamburger. I don't have time to exercise, Lord, or work out or eat right, but Lord, work a miracle right now and bless this. Jesus, I don't have time for you to tell me what I need to do, but this is what you need to do. We can get so wrong. How do you get that way? How do you get to a place where you just don't have any margin like Martha? Well, did you catch in the story? She was distracted. 
Some things distracted her, and her, let's go back to the picture of the garage. This was Martha's life. She was so distracted, she had so many things going on that she didn't have any margin. And let's just see if we can relate to any of these. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull some boxes out of Martha's garage and see if you may have them in your life as well. So here's the first one. Um, If you're taking notes, you can write some of these down, but the first one I just call clutter, okay? Clutter. Now, 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 Martha had some clutter. Did you catch this in the story? She was preparing what kind of dinner? A big dinner, okay? Not a small one. Did she invite too many people over? Probably. Was she trying to do more than was necessary and needed? Yes. Uh, but, but what was Martha's issue? Well, clutter is, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Clutter is when I'm holding on to my life and all of a sudden I say, you know what, I'm trying to do too many things. I've got too much in the garage. I've got too many things happening. I'm trying to accomplish too many things at once. And we've all been there. But but what's happening to Martha is she can't identify and relate to it. And all of a sudden she says, you know what, I don't have any margin. There's too much going on. But, But she doesn't realize it because the scripture says she's creating this big dinner. Now, we can really judge Martha, but how many times do we try to pull off too much as Americans? I mean, I read this week that the average American home has doubled in square footage since 1970. The only problem with that is we're having fewer kids, we're making the same amount of money according to cost of living, and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, we've got more square footage, and what's in our garage? More boxes, and there's more storage units being rented than ever before. We're just trying to do too much. We're looking at Martha's life and saying, you know what, I can relate to that. I just need to identify I have limits. We're all limited. We have limited time, limited energy. We have limited resources. And the the enemy is not the limit. The enemy is not recognizing that there are limits. You see, how many times do we have so much clutter in our lives that we forget what really is essential because it crowds out what really matters most and we can't even fit the car into the garage anymore. It's the most important thing. How do we miss it? And how many times do even tragedies like what happened last weekend bring us back to what really matters? I was able to speak to some of the families that lost everything last weekend and this one family in Rowlett that goes to uh, Lake Point uh, was reflecting and they literally escaped the storm with the clothes on their back, lost everything in their home but the wife and the kids, everybody was safe and healthy. And I said, you know, I'm so sorry that you lost everything. And they said, I quote, Pastor, we did lose everything, but we have everything we need. All of a sudden, all the clutter gets taken away and you realize, you know what? I needed to get rid of some of that clutter to go back to what's essential. Martha was overwhelmed by clutter. Let's go to another box that that maybe you can relate to. Martha was, I call this box, compare, okay? This is the compare box. Martha was looking at what everybody else, did you notice it says that she was preparing a big dinner and it says she was preparing it. She was preparing, this was her agenda, her activity, she invited Jesus, I got this, okay? She is trying to do it all on her own. And really what she was trying to do, and let me, this is a a question really uh, for the ladies. was Martha probably trying to do a recipe that she'd never done before that was really complicated instead of going for that simple meal? Probably so. Here's another question for ladies. What was Martha, did she see something on Pinterest? <laughs> and she said, you know what? I bet I can do that even better and I can create my whole table. Well, of course, they didn't have Pinterest back then. But if they did, Martha would have seen it on Pinterest, tried to do it, take a picture of it and put it back on there so you could see what she did. 
You see, comparison, if you're taking notes, is trying to impress people. Martha doesn't have any margin because she is focused, watch what comparison does, she's focused on what other people are thinking about her. And not only is she she doesn't have time to know what Jesus wants her to do. She's got her plan. She's the one preparing. She's the one making this happen. She's the one trying to pull this party off. And as long as her party's better than yours, then she has succeeded. Comparing is very dangerous. Because what does comparing do? Well, all of a sudden, if my goal is to beat you, then if you're gonna run five miles, I'm gonna run 10. If you make five figures, I'm gonna try to make six. If you take your kids to Six Flags, I'm gonna take my kids to Disney World. If your kids are involved in baseball, band, and volleyball, then my kids are gonna be involved in all of that, plus swimming and football as well. Beat that. And now, if we get so caught up and worried about what everybody else it, it, you know, it thinks about us, what is that gonna do? It's gonna rob us of what our audience of one thinks, and all the whole goal of life is, is am I pleasing Jesus? You see, we're gonna get so distracted by comparisons, and what do you think about me? Now, the social media does not help us here, does it? No, because all of a sudden you look at what they're doing, and are they liking you, are you liking them, and are they viewing you, and are you viewing them, and all of a sudden you get in this big, huge rat race, and let me just go ahead and break this to you. They're not as happy as they look on Instagram. They're just not because it took 23 times to get that picture. Hey, are you smiling? Hey, act like you're having fun. Hey, we gotta do this, now we can post it. You see, what happens is if I think that my drive in this year is gonna be to impress you, it's gonna squeeze out my margin because Martha missed the entire meaning of what the important decision was because she was trying to impress people and she got distracted. Here's another thing that distracted her. I call this box criticized. You see, Martha wasn't just worried about what she was doing. She was worried about what Mary was doing. Did you catch that in the story? She complained to Jesus and criticized Mary in front of Jesus. Jesus, do you see what Mary's doing? Can you believe that Mary is doing that? By the way, if you're gonna criticize somebody for something, don't criticize them for listening to Jesus, okay? I mean, that's really no margin right there. She is just listening to Jesus way too much, okay? But what does criticism do? Criticism, if you're taking notes, criticism is worried about what other people are doing. It's focused on what they're doing instead of what you should be doing. Martha doesn't have any margin because she is not only trying to impress and get people to like her and worried about what they're saying about her, she is also focused on what other people are doing and what other people are saying and how they're living their lives instead of focusing on what she should be doing. Watch what this does. If you focus on what other people are doing, you're not focused on what Jesus wants you to do. Criticism does not work. It doesn't help you at all. But how much time did we waste last year criticizing other people and giving opinions about their decisions? Instead of asking and making some margin for Jesus, what do you want me to do? You see, in a minute, we're gonna take a personal inventory. And the key word to that is personal. How many of us are good at inventorying other people? We're great at inventorying other people. Oh yeah, they need to change that. Oh, they need to change that. That's what Martha's doing. She's got no margin because she's criticizing Mary. She should be doing this, she should be doing that. How many times do we do that? Did you hear about so-and-so? They did not help in preschool one time last year. Not once. I helped three times. I'm awesome. Did you hear about so-and-so? They didn't help the homeless. One time last year, and the Bible says we should help the homeless. Well, did you help the homeless? Well, no, but they've been a Christian longer. They should have that down. 
Did you hear about so-and-so? They bought a boat instead of giving to impact a bunch of heathens. If we get so caught up in what other people are doing, it really does not just take out the margin of our own lives. It really does not reflect well because we're not living a focused life. This is in real time. Did you know? Uh, I call this dogpiling on social media. But there were people who were posting right here in the Dallas Metroplex selling furniture last week. Now, they were selling furniture, and people dogpiled on these people saying, I can't believe you're selling furniture. You should be giving that away. Jesus would give your furniture away. Jesus would help these people because people who don't have furniture now, they just giving all these people grief, like a thousand comments. Now, just think about this. You have no idea. I'm picturing that maybe that was a family that lost everything except this one piece of furniture that's selling it on Facebook so they can afford to stay in a hotel one more night, and everybody just like, I got an opinion about that. Watch what criticism does. It really crowds out the margin, and that's what's happening to, Mary, to Martha. She's looking at Mary instead of looking at herself. And what would happen this year if we spent less time criticizing and looking at what others were doing and more time asking Jesus, what do you want me to do? Because this box takes up a lot of room in our lives, and we just don't have enough margin for that. Now, here's the fourth box. I call this box crisis. Now, there's some legitimate crisis out there. There really are. There's emergencies. We had some last weekend. And the tornadoes are legitimate emergencies, and you need to sound the alarm and get the sirens going, and all hands on deck, this is urgent. But have you ever met somebody that's always in crisis mode? Don't point, okay? Have you ever met somebody that's always got an emergency? I mean, their entire life is just one emergency after another. We gotta go here, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. This is what's happening with Martha. She has the sirens going in the house, and all it is is a meal, okay? But you would think it was a tornado. All of a sudden, she's, she's not saying there's a tornado, she is a tornado, okay? And she's saying, there's a crisis, this is urgent, we gotta change something. This ha-, and, and she's telling Mary, Mary, you need to get in on my life because my life's in a tailspin. Would you join me? And, and, and what she's saying is, is this is a crisis. This, is, this has to get solved right now. And here's what a crisis does if you're taking notes. Crisis is worried about things we can't control. It's worried about things that we can't control. Mar- Martha is overloaded because she can't control the situation. She can't really get her hands around. Let me make you a promise. You don't have enough time this year to worry about the things that you can't control and do something about the things that you can. You don't have time to do both. Have you noticed in the news that everything is an alert now? <laughs> every, every, everything's an alert. Everything's urgent. Everything, all the, everything. Listen, that, is, that works for great ratings, but in life, it leads to a lot of stress. We've got a lot of boxes in the garage, and this is where Martha's struggling. She's got all of these things happening, and she's like, I don't have any margin, and I can't fit the most important things into my life, because what's supposed to go in a garage? A car. What's supposed to go in our lives? Jesus. And if you have too many boxes and things that aren't important in your life, then you don't have any margin for the thing that matters most. And that was Mary's decision, but all the way through the scriptures is the decision of so many. I love what Paul says in Philippians. Philippians chapter three, let me put it on the screen for you. Our lives are designed for Jesus. And Paul says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. He's saying, I haven't gotten there yet, but he says, I, here's this key word, Focus. 
Let's live a focused life. He says, I'm gonna focus on this one thing. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I'm gonna focus on this one thing. I'm gonna forget the past. I'm gonna look forward to what lies ahead. I'm gonna press on to reach the end of the race. And I'm gonna receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He's saying, I'm gonna live a focused life. Paul says, I'm gonna make this decision. I'm praying you make this decision as well, and I do as well. Let's live a focused life this year. Let's say, you know what he says, I'm gonna forget the past. 2015 will never be repeated, it is gone. But this year can be different. And when he says I focus on this one thing, in the original language, it's all caps, exclamation point, with a couple of emoticons, you with me? He's saying there is one thing that is the most important thing in life, and I will focus on that one thing. I think all of us wanna do that. But the problem is we live in America and we've got a culture that says, no, no, you don't need one thing, you need 100 things. And all kinds of different things. And, and I was reading this week just how overloaded we are and I got stressed out just reading some of this and so I won't read a lot, but here's how spread out we are and I think a lot of us were spread thin last year. Here's why. 80 different blood pressure medicines are available to Americans. That will give you the need for blood pressure medicine just to think about that many choices for blood pressure medicine. 93 different bottles of water are our choices now. There's 125 kinds of yogurt. There's 177 kinds of salad dressing. Whatever happened to just ranch Italian, you know, maybe the French, you know, anyway, 177 kinds of salad dressing. There's 189 channels on the TV set. That will make your thumb very tired. 551 kinds of coffee. That's why the line is so full at Starbucks because there's 551 different choices. 752 models of cars and trucks sold. 50,000 different choices are in the average grocery store. That's why it's so stressful to go there. 1.6 million apps you can choose from on your smartphone now. 3.4 million books to choose from on Amazon.com and I could go on. But we have to fight not to be like Martha, don't we? There's so many choices. So let's take a personal inventory, shall we? And what I want you to do, you can write this on your notes, but I'm just gonna give you a few symbols that you saw in second grade, but let's apply them to this year and let's take a personal inventory of margin and say let's make room for what matters most. Now before I do this personal inventory, let me ask this question, all the campuses over the internet. How many of you guys are just, just be honest, are you tired of making New Year's resolutions because you know you break, I mean, you're just tired of making New Year's resolutions. You know, you know you're gonna break them, hands going up everywhere. You know, okay, I've got great news for you. If you're just tired of making those, what if your best year yet was not something that you can add to your plate this year and so you can break it in about two months? What if, you can write this symbol down, what if it was just something that you were gonna subtract what if the power of this year wasn't something that you were gonna add to your plate? What if it was something you're gonna take off your plate? I'm gonna stop doing this this year. I'm gonna make some room. Maybe what you're gonna remove from your life is one of the things we've already talked about that were in Martha's life. Maybe you say, you know, I'm gonna get rid of some clutter. I'm just gonna stop doing, I'm doing too many things and I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna readjust the schedule, readjust my kids' schedule, readjust my budget. I'm gonna get some clutter gone. Maybe I'm gonna stop comparing. I'm gonna stop worrying about what everybody else thinks. I'm gonna focus on Jesus and his opinion of me and his, his role for me. Maybe it's criticizing. I'm just gonna stop worrying about what other people are doing and ask Jesus what his plan, what he wants me to do. Maybe I'm gonna get out of crisis mode, move some things from urgent to intentional, and I'm gonna really work on that and get that box out of my life. For some of you, maybe this subtraction is gonna be, I need to get rid of a blatant sin. Something that's really wrapped a hold of your heart and, and you just say, you know what, I need to get rid of this. I really do. 
somebody handed uh, Pastor Steve this. Actually, it was a first grader last night, and it was so powerful, I asked his permission just to share it. But I won't tell you the, the kid's name, but he just said, hey, Pastor Steve, can you pray for me? And he didn't read it till he got home, and it says this in, in first grade writing, please help my mommy, please help her get off drugs. I don't know what you need to quit today, but I know in a room this size, there are people, you have blatant things that God is not pleased with. Maybe it is drugs. Maybe it's just something else. I don't have time to go through that list, but it is time to come here and find grace, turn from that, find freedom, and live a different life, and let this be the year that you focus on that one thing that can never change. His name is Jesus. But I think for many of us, uh, what we're gonna get rid of this year is it may not be that blatant sin. It may just be I'm gonna stop doing this good thing because I'm missing out on the best thing. And I'm gonna encourage you, instead of thinking about the whole year, let's think about the next 21 days. The next 21 days, I'm gonna encourage everybody listening to me to give up one thing just for 21 days that will help you focus on the best thing. Now, the scripture calls this fasting. In the scriptures, in Jesus' day, many people fasted from food. Now, food is not bad. Food is good. It's just they, fo- they, they fasted from that to focus on the best thing. Now, again, Jesus fasted for 40 days before he started his ministry. He fasted from food. Now, food is a good thing. Can I get an amen? Food is a good thing. It is, okay? But maybe the next 21 days, you say, you know what? I'm going to fast from lunch and focus on Jesus. It's 30 minutes, hunger after his word, pray, reflect. That's what I'm going to do. Now, maybe you say, no, I can't do it from food. Uh, that medically, that's not a good decision for me or maybe for another. Did you know there's things in America that are much more valuable than food that you can fast from now? Some of you, the next 21 days, need to fast. Put on your seatbelts. Maybe you need to fast from Netflix for 21 whole days. No rerun binging. You, you need to fast. Maybe some of you need to fast from Amazon Prime for just 21 days. It's not, not necessarily bad, but, but just focus, focus on what's bad. Maybe you need to just say, you know what, I'm gonna fast from the news. It always stresses me out, but I'm just gonna read my Bible instead. Maybe I'm gonna fast from my favorite social media app on my smartphone because I look at it every five minutes. Maybe I'm gonna fast from a soft drink. I'm gonna fast from the drive-thru. Uh, just for 21 days, instead of doing those things, none of them are bad, I'm gonna focus on, I'm gonna subtract something, and watch this, What can I subtract from my life that will help me focus on Jesus, who he is, what he wants me to do, how he wants me to live my life? Because once you start removing the boxes, then you can get to this symbol. What do I need to add? Now that I've made some room, now I can add some things because I've made room and I've made margin. Now, please don't say, I don't need to subtract anything. Just what do you need me to add? I got this. No, no, because if you do that, this is what your life will look like. Let me show you this picture. This is what it looks like when you try to add before taking away, okay? This is not good. This is Martha's life, okay? Martha's running around the house like, yeah, I got Jesus, but I got a lot of things going on. Don't do that. Okay, what do I need to subtract now? What do I need to add? For you, maybe you say, you know what? I'm going to just, and just try this for 21 days. I'm gonna read the Bible every day for 21 days. The book of John has 21 chapters and if you just, just leaned in for three weeks, you'd read through one book of the Bible, just 21 days. We say it around here, aim for seven, hit five. Maybe I'm gonna take five minutes for the next 21 days, just five minutes of stillness and quiet, being still before God to focus on him, just to pray for my children, my family, or whatever I'm worried about the most. How many parents out there, parents who have kids, you have kids? Yeah, 
Okay, I have four kids, and I was really intrigued by this article. It's very interesting, and I thought you might be intrigued by it too, parents, because it really blew me away. And, it, and it's done, this article is written by a guy named Neil McQueen. He wrote an article called Too Good to Be True. Now, just to see, parents, if you might be interested in this. He says, this is a well-researched, statistically proven program, and listen to what it can do. It can increase the average life expectancy of your kids by eight years. Who's in on that? Come on, your kids can live eight years longer. Significantly reduce their risk of alcohol, tobacco, and drugs, dramatically reduce their risk for committing a crime, improve their attitude at school, increase their school participation, reduce their risk of rebelliousness. This is awesome program. Reduce their likelihood of binge drinking in college, improve their odds for a happy lifestyle. This is awesome. Provide them a lifelong moral compass and get them to wear their seatbelts more often. Wow, this is a great program. Is there such a program? Yes, this, this article says this research has been done and consolidated by Duke University, Indiana University, the University of Michigan, the Center for Disease Control, Barna Research Group, and the National Institute for Healthcare Research. Very well documented. Parents, what if I told you that this program only takes two hours a week? Parents, what if I told you this program was free? According to this article, this program is called Active Church Participation. If you just get your kids to church, the likelihood of power is amazing. Now, we all know church is important, don't we? We really do. But maybe this time of year we can say, I'm gonna add this and I'm gonna be at church this year more than ever. In the next 21 days, I'm not gonna miss them. By the way, you're off to a great start. You have not missed church once in 2016. <laughs> oh, give yourself a round of applause. You're awesome. Yeah, way to go. What can I add? And as you get through these 21 days, I believe what's gonna happen through this series is you're gonna walk out and through this year and say, there's some things I'm doing less. They weren't necessarily bad. I'm just, you know what? I don't need to watch SportsCenter every night. I don't need to check my news app every time. I don't need to check on Pinterest every five minutes. I can do some things that are that less so that I can do some things more. And I believe as we walk through this series, what we're gonna find is, is I need more fellowship. I need, I need more of Jesus in my life. I need more uh, serving with God's people. I, I need to be more generous with my resources, time, talent. I can do more because I've created margin. This year, are you gonna walk through this year like Martha or like Mary? Now, I think some people have felt pretty good because you said, well, I'm, I'm already like, like Martha because maybe, let me just show you what you think your life may look like. Here's this garage. And every analogy breaks down at some point, but look, I, I fit Jesus in, he's there, he's in my life, and I got all this stuff going on, but he fits. See, but you can fit one more thing in here, but I've got Jesus, I got all this other stuff, this is great. But what I want us to realize is, is that really Jesus wants to change your life in such a way that once he moves into your garage, he changes everything about the garage, like this picture. Once you park this car in your garage, your entire garage is different. And so this year, what do you say we take the next 21 days and focus on what matters most? And don't just fit Jesus in our lives because he doesn't wanna just fit in your life. He wants to change your life. And if you feel like you've been running and spinning and you're running in this year, overloaded and overwhelmed, may these words minister to every heart here. Would you read these words with me? The words of Jesus, let me put them on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 11, let's say this together. Then Jesus said, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. The first step to margin is to make Jesus the master of your soul. Let's pray about that together. In this quiet moment, would you give him everything and open up your heart and make room for him? And maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, make Jesus first in your life. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for a new year and a new beginning, and we ask for this day to be different. As we pause before you, that these 21 days, we would give up some boxes so we can fit into our lives the thing that matters most. And thank you, Jesus, that you don't wanna just fit into our lives, you wanna change us. And Lord, give us the heart of Mary as we live in a culture of Martha's. And may that difference shine like light in darkness. And may we change the world around us because you changed us today. We give you this day and give you our lives. And we ask all this in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God a hand for his grace and his truth in our lives.